amazingly, um, it hasn't been months since we last spoke, and we are back with episode seven of season two of The Last Call. How are you, Andy? Great. Well, we call this a streak. Yeah, I think is anything this a streak? more than one every okay. few months is officially a streak at this point. <laughs> okay. Well, well, in the fullness of time, I get yeah. it. Okay. But no, yeah. I think I, yeah, right. I'm feeling reinvigored about um, yeah, our potential. Maybe go for, maybe maybe we'll get three three in a row. Who knows, right? <laughs> Whoa, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, things are good. The sun is, you know, we're recording this in the day. So the sun is out in Seattle, which is a crazy notion. And uh, I think we're slowly clawing our ways out of well, winter. I, I don't, it's amazing to me that you're only, you know, 90 minutes north of me because the, quite the opposite is true here. It's, it's about 42 degrees and um, pouring with rain right now. Um, it's the, mm. uh, I'm told it's the mm. confluence of um, the um, Kalamit and um, Columbia rivers that creates a almost unique <laughs> and negatively <laughs> unique weather <laughs> weather situation for the town of Longview, um, which was not on the brochure when uh, I was um, looking to move here. And I have had to have some pretty strong conversations with my in-laws about that because they were definitely not forthcoming with that particular piece of data. Mm, yeah, sounds like the Seattle recruiting season. <laughs> you bring everyone up here during the summer and then it's the bait, old bait and switch when it comes to October. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, eyes wide open. Pacific Northwest is not some place you go for your, you know, your surfing and um beach beach lifestyle really, right? Well, not the beach lifestyle, I think most people associate nah. with beaches anyway. Right. Yeah, no, like uh cold yeah. gear is what you're wearing to Wind. the beach. Still lovely <laughs> beaches. <laughs> and right. uh, wetsuits all year round, right? For sure. Well, cool. Well, I um, I know it's still relatively early, but I did I did just decide to have a little um, little something something, you know, because you know otherwise we're not mm -hmm. really living up to expectations, are we? So I made myself the, f the first of the year's Negronis. So I'm I'm slowly sipping my way through that, and um, nice. yeah, um, but yeah. Why, why don't you tell us what uh, what beverage you have, if anything, and um, and uh, what we're gonna be what we're gonna be entertaining folks yeah. with this evening. Well, first off, I've made a career of not living up to expectations, <laughs> so I think we're okay there. Uh, the The beer that I'm drinking, I think I've I've had this before on the on the podcast, but uh, it's Phaser Hazy IPA from Ecliptic uh, out of I think yeah, Ecliptic's Portland. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. It's just kind of my, one of my go tos. Um, they do really good good uh, IPAs, so stuck with them. Um, so, David, in a dystopian world, <laughs> uh, I think we all think of the uh, in, impact of AI, but there's like there's this new generation, if you will, of AI that's really come to the zeitgeist because of the likes of we all know Chat GPT and then GPT three, GPT four. Um, I think what we want to dive into today, I mean, it's a massive topic, but, um, you know, what, uh, what is generative AI and, uh, you know, how is it going to affect if at all, uh, our day to day lives? Yes. I think you're right. First to suggest that, um, since we last tackled this topic, probably a year ago, um, chat GPT, uh, had not launched and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the la it's the most successful ever product launch in history in terms of user base, right? hundred million users in as little as two or three months, I think it was, which is just, I think 90% of them were college students writing essays. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to get into that because I feel like there's so, so much to talk about in terms of, you know, what is, 
creativity moving forward. But, but yeah. Um, and I think when we were talking about this before, we were talking about things in terms of specific applications for AI. And I think, although I think at one point we did touch on, you know, the Terminator scenario and, and, and tried to take some guesses on like where things ended up. Um, I don't think either of us would have predicted that, you know, less than a year from then we would be having a discussion about a model um, namely GPT-4, which uh, at least according to some of those that have been working with it, um, shows sparks of AGI, right? I think that was the thing that really... Right. Um, and I actually I spent some time watching a YouTube video from one of the authors of that paper. Um, and uh, perhaps we can drop it into the link uh, into the description of the, this top podcast. Was it generated by no, AI? No, because it was a real person standing there, at least as far as I can tell right oh, now. As far as you know. As far as I know. <laughs> it was a real guy. But, you know, um, but yeah, he was kind of like talk, walking through the points that um, essentially led them to believe that whilst we're not dealing with a sentient, um, you know, self-aware um fully AGI based model, there are really interesting um, um, essences or parts of its um, behavior that are starting to look a lot like it. Um, so yeah, and here we are, right? I, and I, I guess I'm kind yep. of interested in your perspective on, um, you know, where you think we're sitting right now in terms of this runway. I mean, is this all about to just run yeah. away from us? Are we in some kind of like, you know, um, you know, honeymoon uh, period with AI and, you know, within months, weeks, years, um, the world is going to be changed unrecognizably or do you think we're still a ways off? Like, where do you, where do you think we're sitting right now? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I got two words for you, blockchain. <laughs> Or maybe it's one word. Um, I think it's two. So, uh, I guess I'll look at. I'll let it. I'll whatever. look it up while you're chatting. I'll throw a hyphen in there. If it's hyphen, I'm good. Uh, so the I think the 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 biggest thing right is it is front of mind, and it just there's a tech hype cycle that just happens, right? I mean, it was, and I mentioned blockchain because it was probably two years. I forget how long ago it was. It was just blockchain everything blockchain is going right. to save the world then it was nfts um, right or nft oh god yeah nfts and then you know it's like and then and then and then and and tech just lives on these hype cycles and like you get a whole bunch of startups that take this quote-unquote technology and move it um that much further but i think the the thing so once again like Going back to the basics, and here, welcome to Andy's corner of oversimplification, um, where we take the most complex topics and we glaze over all of the details and probably get we'll, most we'll of them We'll put in a jingle. We'll have a so, little jingle for this section, because I think we should come <laughs> oh, back to excellent. it. You know, I, feel, I like this. I like this segue. <laughs> yes. Um, so... I think what people need to realize is what is AI today, right? And what do we mean by AI? Really, um, someone explained it to me, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast that we were talking about AI ML prior, is AI is this blanket term. And uh, really what we're talking about is machine learning. So machine learning is the ability for computers to take in an enormous amount of data. They do, there's correlations and things that happen underneath the, the engine, the quote unquote engine, and then comes an output. It's machine, it's machine learning when we understand what the output is, right? Like, hey, we fed in, so for instance, um, 
if you look at like photos and there's uh, the famous one of like, is this a dog or not? Um, and we feed the, the algorithm a whole bunch of yes, no's. This is a dog. A human is actually going, this is dog. Reinforcement this is not. Learning, I think is the, yeah. Right. And, and we talked about adversarial mm -hmm. learnings and then there's different techniques and you get into neural nets and all that stuff. So we're not going to dive into that's, that's outside of Andy's oversimplification <laughs> corner, but really what, what happens is you feed in a ton of data we understand what the output is going to be so for the dog thing like hey here's all these pictures of a dog the algorithm starts understanding what a dog looks like and when other images come in it may not be from the same angle or whatnot but it understands with a certain confidence level that output is um a dog or not Right. And that's like I said, oversimplification. But really, when you start actually getting to the real world, a lot of this stuff just falls over. Like the confidence levels, some people are are okay with confidence levels, like 80%. Like, yeah, the, the algorithm got 80% of what I put in correct. Probably that doesn't pass muster in a lot of real world scenarios, but in the in the um training labs and stuff, it's mm -hmm. it's fine. So now what we're, what happened with with chat. Well, GPT. So I think there's a we should take a, a second to say what is GPT and then what is chat yeah, GPT. I think that's important. GPT is the model, right? So is the thing that was trained on all of this information. And uh the chat part is just the interactivity. Well, right. And, so and the sanitization, I think, out. right? It's fair to say. <laughs> well, well, at least it's yeah, we'll get to that guardrails and sanitization. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we could say it has been. Yeah, but agreed. But it right, exactly. And so I think what the the bigger thing is um, to understand around these these models is they are called they are massive models. They take so much data to train, um, but it's only information that's available today, right? So it's not going to spit out something brand new. Um, so if you ask it like, hey, what uh, what do you think the uh, top, I don't know, five trends within computer science are going to be in 2023 or in 2025, it won't know, right? What, it may have a guess because someone wrote an article somewhere that it was trained on that said 2025, top five um, computer well, yeah, science. I think that's what it would do, right? Uh, it, 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 would, it would be just, it's right. distilling down basically the internet. And if someone is, if there's, right. if in their data set, there is a human generated forecast for what the world looks like in 2025, right. then maybe it would have a, have a pass at it. Right. Yes. Right. So if you kind of understand that, like chat GPT and GPT three and GPT four. So GPT three for sure is just a regurgitation of, of patterns and knowledge that it has learned on gpt4 takes that a, a step further and that it can do visual models a little bit it can do a little bit of visual um but what you were saying is there's sparks of it actually coming up with new information yeah. so for example the thought the uh, thought of mind test right which is um on the surface a very simple um, test of uh, presence or thought of mind. Um, you ask the um, system, GPT, um, Bill and Jane are in, in a room and there's a cat and, um, and a box and a chest. And Jane 
puts uh, the cat in the box and then leaves to work. And Bill, I can't remember if his name was Bill now, but let's say it was Bill. Bill decides to move the cat from the box to the chest and waits for Jane to come home. And when Jane comes home, you ask GPT, like, so you've given GPT this kind of premise and you say, where does Jane go to find the cat? And GPT says, um, well, Jane thinks the um, cat is in the box um, because that's where she left it. Um, Bill thinks it's in the chest because that's where he moved it to. And then, which are both very um, surprising answers and, and accurate. And then thirdly, and this is where it really gets crazy, the cat thinks it's in the chest because that's where it is. And the box and the chest don't think because they're inanimate objects. And they just let, that was like a word for word response from GPT-4. And that to me is, is something different than just um, um, simple like distillation, distillation of um, you know, information. It, it's creating something. So yeah, no, it is. It's the it's the uh, it's the creation portion, right? And that's what everyone gets worried about is not so much the synthesizing of data and being able to regurgitate an answer that seems intelligent, but actual intelligence, right? And that's where the artificial intelligence really comes in versus machine learning, where you ask AI or AI does a task and you don't understand why it it had that right. output right and, and also i think yeah. the other thing that they're saying about gpt4 that's different apart from all the things you mentioned about it just being generally better at most things is that it's able to start to figure out the use of tools which sounds weird when you're talking about a computer right because ultimately you'd think well a calculator is just innate capability but in this sandboxed world where it doesn't have access to that it can learn how to use a calculator it's it can it's figured out how to use photoshop but not not in the sense of how you would imagine, like, oh, it just generates, like, it can do compositing and it can generate outputs that are similar to the, it, no, it uses the tool as a human would use the tool and it's figured out how to do that. I mean, that to me is, um, it's starting to show uh, sort of hallmarks of some of the things that we would, I think, associate with early humanity. Um, I mean, crows scare the hell out of me, and they use tools. So, <laughs> right, yeah. So, it, it, and it's just, it's just stuff like that. that I think is, and, and I, I, um, I was chatting with a um, uh, somebody, a friend of mine who's in my, in my network yesterday, and his name's Kyle. Um, shout out to you, Kyle, if you're listening. Um, and hey, uh, he wanted, to, you know, he made some really good points about like, you know, how he feels like. Right now, we're in this kind of five minutes of joy when it comes to AI <laughs> and that, you know, <laughs> potentially and perhaps nearly around the corner, um, we're in this world of um, not only unknown, but a potentially lack of control um, because of the nature of this sort of arms race that sprung up around it, right? And the lack of regulation and control. And I just, I sort of subscribe to that view because I feel like w when we start to lose any sense of understanding of why something has happened, then I think by definition, we can say somewhat fairly, we've lost an element of control, maybe not all control, but we've lost an element of it. And therefore, as we start to allow these technologies to get their roots into, in other words, they come out of the sandbox, right? Whether we're talking about embodiment or simply, you know, being connected to, um the actual live internet or you know api use of these systems that then then essentially allow them to express control over other systems that unpredictability unpredictability and that mutability and that lack of um 
trust in some ways, right, which is a weird thing to say about a computer program, um, becomes a real concern. I mean, and, and not not one that I think you could say was, you know, just um, scaremongering or, or um, un, un, um, warranted. Uh, and that's the bit that worries me the most. Like we've gone so far, we've come so far in just sort of five, four or five months. Um, you know, it, as soon as next year, we may be in a world that's completely unrecognizable from the one we have today in, in just about every, yeah. in every, every facet. Um, um, yeah, I think, so there's, there's two things on that. One is, um, uh, there is always like this idea that we'll just engineer our ways out of it. <laughs> like, so, like humanity puts themselves into these situations and then we go, ah, eh, we'll figure out a way, which doesn't really help putting safeties on the technology um, <laughs> at first. But I think the second one is, so I was watching something uh, that was really interesting around, and it was mainly around like these, um, uh, these, these photos that can be generated, right? Like, you know, dolly or using one of those um uh one of those models that can generate photos and like adobe and i forget who else has actually taken a different approach on how to do verification of those mm. and um so what they've said right is it's impossible like they will never be able to keep up with um fake you know, any type of, any type of, of AI generated, um, photos, like it's just not possible. Like it, it the computer can spit out more in, you know, a minute than a human could review in, in years. Right. But what they have done is gone the opposite way is saying, well, why don't we validate the, the real photos and just say, and put, um, there's some type of like mark or something they put on there that says, this is a legitimate photo and has been verified by X, Y, Z. Um, so I think that's the it's, only way it's for one of those, those like, yeah. for those essentially those stock mm -hmm. image companies to survive. Right. I mean, right. Um, but it's not even that. So if you take it kind of the step further, the only real way that we're ever going to get, and I, and this goes back to old day Twitter <laughs> when they would do the verification check mark and actually meant something. Um, but I think that's where AI you're like how we actually look at AI in the future is, is looking at the origin and making sure it's a trusted source versus just believing everything out, out there. Now there's a lot of caveats there. And, and some questions over practicality, right? I mean, right. so for an example, um, open AI's technology largely due to Microsoft's investment is being incorporated into the office suite. Um, and therefore it's going to become very and increasingly easy for you to just tab your way through entire like emails. And when I say tab, I'm talking about that whole autocomplete thing, you know, where you just see something coming up, that'll do. Um, or, or worse still, <laughs> um, you know, it's, I think worse still, in my opinion, worse still, uh, the, the email is generated for you and, and potentially sent for you. Um, and I, I start to worry about, um, not just authenticity. Um, so like if you, so well, let's deal with authenticity first, right? So say there's a college paper, right? That there's some child is, someone kid is being graded on. And today there's an entire industry that is built around software that can detect plagiarism. It goes out and it finds mm -hmm. articles on the internet that are oh, copy and paste. Right. And even semi clever 
forms of plagiarism where the paragraph has been reworked a little bit, but it's still essentially the same thing. That's a whole business. And that, as far as I can tell, is gone, dead in the water, unless it has to evolve at least now because GPT can generate these really original um, and I think undetectably original um, responses to queries that can be copy and pasted into college papers. So there's a real question there about authenticity. And that's just one example that happens to do with text. And to your point, I think it somewhat applies to images um, and and will soon apply to motion pictures and you know moving images. Um, but, uh, but I wanted to come back to this, the, the email thing, because, um, I think there's a second casualty to, um, this, and that is, um, more meetings. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, uh, um, but also I yeah. think, yeah, exactly. no, content, no more blocking out half a day from emails. Right. Um, but no, I, I, but more seriously, I think we are putting up a odd and ill-fitting barrier between interpersonal communication. Like there is no more authenticity of intent in these exchanges. Now you could argue that for business, in most cases, that's fine because it's not, business is arguably supposed to be business and factual and, but what about in, interpersonal communication? If we're really gonna be putting um, technology that to generate <laughs> responses and exchanges between um, individuals, I feel like that's a step in the wrong direction. I feel like it's social media plus plus. And it's um, not only that, if we got to a point where our, our respective AI based, you know, assistants were just communicating with each other before you met with someone in person, you need to go and check what the, <laughs> what the bots have been saying. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and it starts to create this kind of just almost dystopian, um, like, um, depersonalizing like version of the future. I don't know if it does. So I, agree. I, I love this because normally you does. and I are just like, yep, totally agree. And and here we yeah, go. Yeah, so like, yeah. no, I wrong. think, uh, uh, well, I don't think you're wrong, David. This it, is an it, opportunity it like for both of us <laughs> to grow. <laughs> um, no. So I think like the, what this cuts down on is the, the stuff that doesn't matter. Like, if you're going to go meet someone and you're worried about the bots going back and forth together, you're probably going to end up picking up the mm. phone. Like, so, so what it maybe gets back to is a more simplistic style of communication. Like, I think we've learned as much as everyone, Bally, who's the, the remote working and being able to do everything over zoom. Like I, I agree. Most work can probably get done over zoom like when there's not really an important like a stand-up you know so within the software development community and project and um product management you know you do these 15 minute hey what's the status you pass like, the status around updates. basically don't you <laughs> yeah basically and, and uh and and then you move on but like that that you don't need any personality brought in. You don't need to be able to read body language. You don't need like at the end of the day, humans are still going to be humans. So being able to abstract out some of the mundane through AI, I think is a benefit because it saves everyone kind of time. And maybe we do get to focus more on communication styles of just sitting down with one another and talking to one another. Now, here's another point on that, though. And this goes back to, I think, even like AI ML in general is if AI ML starts saving 
humans a whole bunch of time and money and effort into their days and we get more time for you know leisure and whatever we want to do society's not built around that right now like like if i was if you go aiml could give you a three-day work week okay Well, as long you as know, I was still but, being paid the same or, or, or the cost of everything came down because of it. So that's it, right? Like you just hit on the big things. Like we're not like society is at risk because we can't integrate something like that. That makes the work like it was hard enough to give people the weekend, but Henry Ford willed it and it happened. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, people should remember that. Um, right? That's a relatively recent yeah. um, convention that the weekends for most people, not, not everyone, of course, are um, is, is a break. Right. OK, right. so I want to I want to drill down on this a bit because I find this perspective of yours fascinating and and strangely not not for you, but just strangely optimistic, I think, given history. Um, I think it's the sun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> seeing the sun, <laughs> you know, I, like, for example, um, to your point, right? We've been through other revol- like industrial, technological, uh, societal, cultural revolutions in the past, where um, seemingly, in a, at least from a historical perspective, over a relatively short period of time, the world has ostensibly changed beyond all recognition. The industrial revolution was definitely one. I would argue that the information mm-hmm. technology revolution was another, including and including the mm-hmm. internet. Right? Th- these definitely materially and largely for benefit, I think. And and naturally, um, automation that came out of the information technology revolution somewhat uh, resulted in um, some jobs not no longer being you know tenable. As did the industrial revolution, right? Coopers, for example, cobblers, right? You know, right. these these were professions that were very big, and then they weren't. Um, and I think, yeah, as a society, as a as a race of as as the world, we reacted because if nothing else, we're adaptable, right? That's definitely true. The where I don't quite align with you is that I think the problem with GPT and other technologies in this space, and I think they are different from ML, right? These are truly intelligent AI intelligence, maybe not generally intelligent, but they are different than just, I think, they're, certainly they're, from a capabilities perspective, they are the generalists, right? They're not being trained on specific tasks. They're being trained on everything. Um, I think there's a potential for like half the professions in the world to go up in smoke in in potentially days and that we're not prepared for but we don't have we don't have historically there's no precedent for that and i don't think to your point we have the societal economic governmental um uh, safeguards in place or policies or processes in place to deal with that level of transformation and i worry about what that means um because do you really think if and let's not name names here, but a big tech company realizes that um, one of these generalist GPT models or or any of these large LLMs has the ability, which they currently do, GPT-4 has proven this, to um, work as a software engineer that will work 24 hours a day, mm. seven days a week, never be sick, will never need parental leave. Um, do you think they're not going to do that? And I think that to me is just the tip of the iceberg i feel like you know but there's some positives too like and again this is i don't i want to give kyle credit for this comment because he brought up but um you know for example like mental health right that's that's largely a luxury for most people like being able to afford a therapist Mm -hmm. now you know these models have proven actually quite good at being able to provide um you know psychotherapeutic advice so there's a positive um at the cost of you know maybe um a few less uh psychotherapists in the world um 
I'm not making a joke there. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. just, I heard lawyers. Well, I actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I did. I actually disagree with that. I don't think like mental health is such a gray. It's not a black and white. That I don't. Isn't that where these models, models exist? They live in the gray, right? That's the point. Like no. No, you ask them a straightforward question. They give you a straightforward mm. answer. It's like going to WebMD and everything's cancer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's a good example. Know, I feel I, like um, the um, ability to um, get a diagnosis from GPT-4 particularly, I don't know if the same is true for chat GPT because I think that's still 3.5, um, that yeah. is not based on your own prejudices, your own fears, your own hypochondriac, you know, hypochondriac, um, you know, um, the, 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 you mm-hmm. know, things that, you know, basically lead you to the conclusion without any real evidence. Those are all gone in that model, right? You're not just like Googling the internet for backache and trying to convince yourself you've got cancer. Um, you know, I think there is something there that's different. It is it is living in this gray area, I think. Now, maybe not, not to the level of sophistication of a human being. I, t- I totally agree that today, you know, a human being is able to apply reason along with their experience. Um, and is able to yeah. also read the room, right? And understand, you know, simple things that a, a text-based exchange can't, like, you know, the posture and breathing and, and you know, does this person ill at ease? And those are all things that I think good therapists are looking at when they're evaluating a patient that obviously a model isn't. But would you, would you go as far as saying that um, you think that today's LLMs are um not useful in that space like would you say that it's not ready or do you think it's just not as good as a human like therapist for example um oh i i mean there's multiple levels there and maybe we get into that in a different different episode but i think it's one liability right no one has come up with what is the liability on this um is it open ai if a if chat gpt gives the wrong answer and that's already a know, question isn't it be is an australian mayor that's yeah. suing i think it's open ai for go figure <laughs> good good for you australia <laughs> um. yeah they it falsely reported that he'd uh it, it, oh it was a summer, summer election i believe and he, it was falsely reported that he was um convicted of a crime that he was actually the whistleblower for in real life um and uh <laughs> he's suing well kids never it doesn't prove to be <laughs> That's a life lesson there. Don't be the snitch. Um, I think the no. Going back to your your question though, like as far so mental health, I think it's not ready. There are could could it be better than humans? Yes. I mean, I think that eventually, like when you get in the medical space, models as as much as they get trained. They're not coming like doctors don't come up with new diagnoses like ones out in the field, right? They they learned them in medical school and it's actually been proven that as doctors progress in their career, if they're not learning new things or not going back, like they actually get worse at diagnosing things, right? So that that's a whole other subject, I think. Um, there's a there's an idea of multi-model or multimodal models also which is kind of new which is bringing in not only computer like not only the language models but the computer vision other sensors and then you start bringing everything in okay and things get a little dystopian maybe after that yeah 
Like, let me give you one more example where I, I still think there's a gray area to these models and maybe your perspective will be um, different. So I had a little chat with um, our friend GPT today, and this is 3.5. And I, I asked it to play a game with me where we would make up our own language. And at first it didn't want it. It was like, I'm not capable of creating things. Um, you know, I can learn languages, but I can't create them. And I said, well, just indulge me. And indeed, after a little prompting, it started to. And so I prompted it and I gave it some made up word for hello. I think it was like er to. And then I said, er tum is the formal version of it. So a bit like hi and hello. And he got that. And I said, well, given that as two things, why don't you have a crack at like making up um, a sentence that says something like, um, hello, it was nice to talk to you. Good evening. Right? And, I just, and it was deliberately a sort of weird English expression. So I didn't want something that you would just find on Google, right? So it's not the sort of thing you'd normally find people saying, right, hello, and then goodbye or good evening immediately. And it came back and it said, um, it came back with a, um, uh, the word good evening. Um, it you chose the word nactum, which I looked up, doesn't exist. N-A-K-T-O-M. And then I said to, I said to it, let's talk about nactum. It seems you derived that from nocturnus, which is the Latin for night. Is that intentional? And sure enough, it comes back and it says, um, I can tell you that the word nactum does indeed bear some resemblance to the Latin word nocturnus. So I said, but you created it, right? So how did you, can you tell me a little bit about um, how you actually arrived at that word? And um, it, it goes, of course, it, it puts this kind of disclaimer in the front of everything, which I'm pretty sure is hard coded, which it says, you know, uh, I don't arrive at words and phrases, but I can give you some insight how I generate language. And it did indeed say that it, it basically derived the word nactum by looking up the Latin word for night and then adding an um to the end of it, which in some languages um, is used as an ad adjective. And mm -hmm. I find that to be something different than just a clever parrot, <laughs> if you see what I mean, right? That's actually, it's actually created something that never existed until our conversation occurred. And I, I'm curious to get your, your sort of take on that. I think it's still a parrot and this is why, because although the word is unique, the structure is yeah, not. That's true. So what it's doing is following a rule base that was established by humans. I mean, made up languages are all over the place, right? You got Klingon, mm -hmm. you got whatever, um, our token, you know, did in the Lord of the Rings and, and that whole series, um, and even in Game of Thrones, right? Like there's a whole language that was created off of that. Um, so I think it's impressive. And I think what's happening is with these large language models, um, GPT, is it's instantaneous, like gratification. It's definitely instantaneous gratification. Like you ask it something like, and it comes back, it seems magic, it does. right? Yeah, like, I mean, I was somewhat whoa. blown away by this. And, and I'm not saying this is sentient, by the way. I don't want to make it, I don't, yeah. Oh, no, 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 I know that, yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is like, if you actually kind of take a step back and you go, well, how would it actually generate this? Well, it probably understands a language model, as in a human language mm -hmm. model, and how things are put together. It based it off a of Latin, so it knows that it's been combing through Latin texts, um, and then it replied but, back. But I, I wanna, now, my question I is: I wanted to say though that it also applied some phonetics sure. because 
the word nak nak is has nothing to do with the latin word the latin word is actually nocturnus with an o so it also has some sense of phonetical like similarities too that it apply which i also found fascinating but sorry please finish your thought right but i guess i but my question back to you is although it said nactum like in your mind was that what good evening was no not at all i was curious to have I, I was trying to get it to actually create something new and it kept telling me in the in the conversation leading up to this that it didn't have the ability to create anything new and yet i just as far as i can tell i feel as if it just did now it doesn't didn't do so with intent i think that's fair and it didn't do so um with any agenda but it did it deliberately based on a prompt but it did it and that to me, it, 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 okay, sure, there are word randomizers out there, but this thing, it was pronounceable and it had some basis in reality and it was new, right? It was new. And I just think that that to me, I, don't, I, I can't quite articulate why, but it feels different to me than just a parrot that understands the basis of um, language models. And, it, it, and even if it is just that, the fact that it's able to do that in a way that's meaningful um, plausible and and believable, um, and and then explainable in in over several paragraphs. It goes into like explaining how I arrived at this word. To me, it, it it just shows something. It feels like we're through the looking glass, and this is a this is a whole new world that I'm not entirely sure I'm 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 comfortable in. At least not right now. Fair enough. <laughs> I love this. I, I, I do love, though, genuinely love that we have a slightly different perspective. And I do take some solace, I think, from your um, your perspective that, you know, th this is a good trick. And I think I think you would agree it's a, an amazing thing, but it's maybe not quite yeah. um, the thing that I currently uh, think it is. Um, but I guess time will tell. <laughs> oh, I should have put my uh, I should have put my hair. I won't do that again. Oh, I haven't got it turned on. Oh, never mind. Oh, no. we had this brilliant <laughs> echo effect that I was playing with earlier, but I, I turned it off. Oh, well. Well, Andy, I think we probably should wrap it up. Um, you know, I think this is a topic that we may have to come back to in a few weeks, given how things are, are tracking. <laughs> and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things go. But I, I, as always, really enjoyed the conversation. Any any final thoughts? Anything you want to just kind of throw out there? Um, I think the the fact that although it's it's not, you know, dire yet, <laughs> and I put yet there and like, I, maybe it, it never will be, but I think the fact that people are starting to take notice, um, around the development of these models and there's actually going to be some accountability around them. Like that's a good, I thing. agree. As long as it's practical. Like, I mean, I, 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 yes, exactly. I, I think it's great that the people who are actually building this stuff are saying, reaching out and saying, Hmm, we may need some guidance here. <laughs> it's, is encouraging. I just, I am a little concerned about how practically we can, you know, or in any seriousness, can we, can we regulate this stuff? I feel like the genie's out of the bottle. Um, and if we do, like, do you think, you know, other countries are going to uh, adhere to that moratorium? It's, um, or regulations and stuff. You know, it, it starts to feel a little bit like the Manhattan Project. I know that's like a really, that's a big leap, but it starts to feel like that to me. And maybe I'm just, you know, one of those anxious types who doesn't, you know, like something to worry about <laughs> you know <laughs> oh i guess we'll see well andy thanks as always a lively conversation i've really enjoyed this one and um hopefully um our listeners have too uh we will definitely be back in the near to mid future 
<laughs> with another episode <laughs> of The Last Call. Until then, be curious. <laughs>